and welcome to the Record Rangers podcast. I'm Johnny McFarlane and today I'm joined by both Scott McDermott and Gavin Berry. We're going to be looking at Rangers' 3-0 victory last night, of course, against St. Johnson. But first of all, I want to drill into the detail with you guys about this burgeoning gap that can be opened up between Rangers and Celtic. Now, of course, Hibs, and I know this better than most, are right in there at the moment in terms of being at the top of the table. But let's think about this long term. Realistically, Hibs are not going to be challenging for the whole season. So let's look at Rangers against Celtic, the potential for Rangers to open up an 11-point gap. Scott, how big is this in terms of mentality for Rangers to open up this gap and for the first time really in the Gerrard era, put Neil Lennon and Celtic under the kind of pressure that is really, really going to test them? Well, Johnny, listen, I mean, it's still very early in the season, but it, there's no getting away from it. It's big because, as you say, Rangers haven't really been in this position. Gerrard's not been in this position where they can open up such a big gap. No, it's an unusual situation. Um, Celtic have obviously had a few problems, no, to on and off the park. We think the performance at Kelly and then everything that's happened since we we volleyball and goalie. So it's given Rangers this, this opportunity. Um, and no, if Rangers are serious about being title contenders and about really taking Celtic to the wire, what a chance this is to build up uh, build up some momentum and more importantly build a no an eleven point gap that. Of course, there's a long way to go in the season, but you're right, it puts Celtic under a bit of pressure. It means they're playing catch-up right away. There will be a backlog of fixtures because there aren't enough dates in the in the calendar to get these games played, especially when you think Celtic have still got Scottish Cup games to play from last season. During lockdown, Johnny, um, you know, so many comparisons were made between the Celtic... You know, the, I look back, sorry, at the season when Celtic stopped Rangers... Winning ten in a row the last time, and people said, "How did that happen?" You know what? And there were so many different factors. You know, guys are being sold, and Loudrop pre-contract, and Walter Smith are out since departure. And when we looked ahead to this season, people were saying something. Ha- it's going to take a freak for Rangers to win it because Celtic were, you know, ten points clear of Rangers when the league was top- stopped. If Rangers won their game in hand, and that squad for squad, Celtic are still stronger. Therefore, it's going to take something you know, dramatic to happen. Maybe this episode with volleyball and goalie is that thing and that Rangers now need to really, as Scott says, capitalise on that. They've got to take it. But don't forget, we have been here before. Two years ago this month, when Celtic went out to AEK Athens, they had their worst start to a season since 1994, I think. Um you know, Moussa Dembele was sold and, you know, Rangers didn't capitalise then. There was, of course, Brendan Rodgers leaving and Neil Lennon coming in. People said, this is the moment, you know, and, and Rangers haven't. So Celtic have been shown that they can react to situations like this. So it's up to Rangers to put as much pressure as they can. They've got to ask as many questions uh, of Celtic and just hope that, um, and hope that they, they, they slip up. Because if you look at actually Rangers' run of fixtures, I mean, up until I mean, you mentioned Hibs there at the start. I mean, up until that Hibs away game, uh, I think in the middle of September, you know, on paper there are game there are games that Rangers could win. I mean, they could win them all away at Livingston, away at Kelly, away at Hamilton, away at Dundee United. So 
but they've still it's easier said than done. It's easy for us to sit there and say that they've got I to th- do it. I think I think the the key thing as well is see if Celtic were eleven points behind and and they knew that they had a kind of run of games, you know, that, that kind of catch up where they could immediately go and get those eleven points. I think that would almost be easier for Celtic. No, they would just get the bit between their teeth, go and get the eleven points, they get back yeah. level and that's it. It's the fact that this could go on yeah. you know, for weeks and months because there's no dates to get these games played. Yeah. It's just if the longer it goes, the Rangers can just can keep that eleven yeah. points up until you no know, a couple of months, a few months time when old firm games come round or whatever. Yeah. That's going to be the, the key. I mean, if Rangers can get to that point, then it could yeah. be it could be crucial long yeah. term in terms of the, the title well, race. It was a factor last season, given that gap that took place between Rangers and Celtic because of the St Johnson game, Gav. You know, yeah. there was always that feeling that if Rangers drop points, they're going to drop further behind. But they had that game in hand, and, and but it was just the mentality of it, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, the best example probably for us is, is that UEFA Cup final season. I know it's slightly different because I think Rangers were ahead and Celtic had the games when we were seeing when are Rangers going to play the games, when are Rangers going to play the games. But it just goes back to that old cliche, doesn't it? I mean, it's better to have the points on the board. Yeah. It's better to have the points on the board. I mean, uh, if Celtic do find themselves at some point in the season, maybe even sort of the turn of the year and they're looking at a, a kind of mammoth gap, but they have loads of games... I mean, it's you know it can be psychological. I mean, that's what you're saying. It's it's a huge factor because it's all right saying, well, listen, we're ten behind, but we've got you know four games or five games or whatever. But I mean, the chances of kind of winning every single one of those games, you know, is you're bound to slip up somewhere, even if it is a kind of sort of draw at Kilmarnock and Sunday there or Celtic slipped up. You know, you're going to spill points somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Let's move on to the game now. Obviously, this all plays into the the larger picture of Rangers' title challenge, how important it is. But again, last night, they did, I think, what they've struggled to do in previous seasons. I think there's more evidence that Rangers have improved once again this year because it was one of those games, a little bit like the St Mirren game, where I think in previous years they might have struggled. St Johnson sat very deep, although, to be fair to them, in the first five or six minutes, they did come out of Rangers somewhat, but over the whole game, they, they, they defended well. Yeah. And they asked questions of Rangers, come and break us down. Mm-hmm. But Rangers, despite not playing that well, despite not really coming out of second yeah. gear, yeah. managed to dispatch the game fairly easily. Yeah, they did, they did Johnny. I mean, I thought Rangers were... Were poor at the start of the game. No, I have to admit the first. I mean, St. Johnson came out the traps and tried to put them under pressure and you no know, high energy, you no know, closing down, lot of intensity and all that. I, I think Rangers were the opposite at the start of the game. No, they were too pedestrian, looked a bit lethargic, weren't moving the ball quick enough. Uh, Jack and Kamara in particular, you no, know, weren't getting the ball into that into the front four quick enough. So it looked as if it was going to be a you no know, a sticky night. For Rangers, um, similar to a lot of the games last season, but no, you need moments of quality in in games, um, and that's what Rangers had last night. No, but when they're going through a wee sticky spell at the start, Barisic pops up. No, but a real moment of quality for the free kick, um, and then the second goal again. No, a great team goal in terms of. No, the, the ball for Aribo and Ihaji, he then gets it out wide quick. That's what I mean about the quick passing. It was one of the few occasions where they did move the ball quickly. 
no, split St. Johnson open and then Barisic again, talking about quality. I mean, if his free kick was brilliant, the, the cut back for Kent was, was equally so. I mean, reminiscent of the, of the goal at, at Celtic Park, obviously, I would argue, you know, last night's cut back was even better. It was, you know, over a, a bigger distance. It had to be more accurate. Um, and it was played in at some pace. So... No, they didn't start great, but when you when you can count on those moments of quality, um, doesn't matter what no how deep the opposition sit. If if you've got guys that can conjure up a bit of magic like that, then no, it makes your life a lot easier. And, and that that no, that's what happened last night, and it, it made the second half comfortable for Rangers. But I do agree with Stephen Gerrard's assessment after the game that three 0 down, three nil up. Sorry, they did take the foot. Off the gas, I think that game was there to go and get four and five. Um, I don't think the five subs helps. I mean, don't get me started on that that rule. But I thought the five subs coming on in quick succession kind of no disrupted the game. If you like, disrupted the rhythm and the flow. That's just what's going to happen. Um, I actually felt sorry for the the new boys. I feel sorry for any forward thinking players coming on to a game like that when the midfield just want to keep the ball and you know, don't really want to get it up to them. And I think that's when Gerard was unhappy about. But listen, it's you no know, they've won every game, they've not conceded a goal. Um it's it's hard to be critical at this stage. And that's the other thing you need to remember as well about pre season. I mean they've had a pre season no, it's not a pre season that we've normally had. I mean the yeah. I mean that's you know, I mean Celtic have been caught cold early on, you know, yep. Three points of command, not a game you'd expected them to win. Um, and they didn't manage to dig it out. So, I mean, it's so early in the season. I mean, three wins and nine points, clean sheets. I mean, yeah, I mean, you can understand. I, I, I get what the man, I get what Stephen Gerrard was saying. You know, I mean, they did kind of lose it a bit uh, after sixty minutes. Scott, you mentioned the subs, obviously yeah. that actor. But I mean, it's it's, it's going to be a long season. They aren't hitting top form yet. But I mean, there's time for yeah. that. To come. It's hard. Hey, you've, got, you've got to think they're only going to get better, Gav. I mean, they've got they've got two new players coming in, you no, know, for big money, you no, know, good strikers, good pedigree. I mean, they they're still finding their feet. So you've got to imagine the team as a whole, the squad as a whole, is going to get better. And you no, know, I think Stephen Gerrard will still bring in another midfielder because I think that's where he does need to to add another body. So that should strengthen them again. So. Listen, the early signs are good. There's no getting away from that. Yeah. And this season, more than ever, it's not going to matter. Uh, I mean, you know, how they play uh, performance. Result, results are all that matter. That is, that is it. And and we know, you know, history shows, I mean, it's just about getting that momentum. Once you've gone, once you get that momentum, uh, I mean, that can take you a long way as well. Scott, in terms of the evidence, because I know it's early, but... We are paid to make the big calls here, and we have spent the last two and a half years talking about the issues that Gerard faces. Is there evidence that many of the things that, that caused the title challenge of last season to fall away are being rectified? So, for example, the three clean sheets, the fact that Aribo, Barisic, Kent are all on the score sheet as well as Morelos so far in, in three games. The fact that we seem to be seeing a more spread uh, attack, not just one man as the battering ram who is the focal point. Yeah. Is there evidence there that makes you think there is there is change here, there is improvement, this season might be different? 
Well, there is evidence. I mean, it's early, but you're right. The, the spread of the goals is crucial because they were too reliant on Morelos last season. There's no getting away from it. We spoke about the lack of goals for, for Ryan Kent in particular, having come in for £7 million. I mean, he's got to contribute a lot more. And to be fair to him, you know, he's taken his pre-season form into the Premiership and he's coming up with goals and assists. Aribo was terrific pre-season as well. Um, he's coming up with, with, with goals uh, goals like last night I mean I said to you Johnny I think when I was in Leon after that first pre-season game how impressed I was with the kind of interchange and with that front four and I think I, I said I thought that would be a feature of the season and I'm seeing that now getting into the, the league games no people are talking about it he's tinkered with the formation slightly you know, going 4-2-3-1 so he is deploying a, a number 10 so he can get Haji and Aribo and Kent who are all comfortable in there um, you know, swapping positions I think that's causing opposition teams a lot of problems so you're right there are signs there it has been slightly changed as I say I still think there's loads of room for improvement last night you know, Hadji, I'm a big fan of Haji but he didn't have a, he didn't have a great game last night I expect another midfielder to come in because I still think they're a bit light in there only with, well, with, with Jack, uh, Davis and Kamara. Let's, uh, let's touch on that because I've got that here on my agenda. Yeah. One of the heat maps that I saw that gives the average position of each player across the three games, it had a, a, a wide spread that reflected Rangers' formation. So you could see Barisic and Tavernier, for example, pushed right up the pitch in terms of their average position. Uh, Morelos, Ken, Aribo, yeah, all across that middle area. Uh, Aribo slightly to the right, uh, Hadji in the middle, as you're saying, in that number 10 position, Ken yeah. to the left. The, the one thing that stood out to me, though, was that Ryan Jack and uh, Kamara were almost on top of each other in terms of yeah. their average position. Now, yeah. is that the problem? Is that the reason why Gerard's looking for another midfielder? Someone who can not only hold but can also push up yeah. and then knows when to drop back. Listen, it seems we've been kind of talking about this for ages. It's about finding that balance, Johnny. You're right. Jack and Kamara, as, as two sitters, will, will always face criticism for Rangers fans because you know, the, the view is, the general view is that you know, at home to Hamilton, home to St. Johnson, why do you need two, two sitting midfielders? And it's hard to, to disagree with that at, at times. However, from Steven Gerrard's perspective, if you've got a front four, you no know, Aribo, Hadji, Kent, Morelos, you no know, all playing high up the pitch, all switching positions, interchanging, trying to create, you then throw in the two fullbacks that you want to get as high up the pitch as possible. And like last night, are coming up with goals and, and assists, you no know, nearly every game. No, Gerrard's probably thinking to himself, I've got to have two sitting midfielders. I mean, I need, I need to have some protection. For the for the two centre backs, it's just about finding that balance. But and I think you're right. I think the reason he does want an arm midfielder is that he'll want somebody who can play that certain position, but can also go box to box when required. When the game changes or situations arise where you, you know one of those sitters can push forward and you can just move one into the into the pivot. I, th- I think it almost feels like that will be the last piece in the, the jigsaw for Steven Gerrard in terms of players coming in. Scott's spot on there, Gav. Scott's spot on there. We don't have to think too far back to the Mark Warburton era to remember a time when one central defensive midfield sitter just could not cover 
the attacking intent of Lee Wallace and James Tavernier pushed right up. I mean, it was a calamity. So to have those two in there, that gives you that structure. So sometimes I feel the the criticism can be a little unfair. And even with two in there, you occasionally get situations where there is a break and the two de- defensive midfielders can't cover it. For example, Ike Durmas got away for yep. Mirren and was blocked out by Balogun. Now, that was only one moment in a game. And Callum Henry and Callum Henry last night, you're still going to be exposed with the amount of players Rangers pile forward. So I think there is tactical reasons, strong tactical reasons why I have those two in there. And they do the dirty work that maybe your average fan doesn't see or appreciate quite as much as, say, someone yeah. who's like Ryan Kent, who's doing all the flashy stuff. What, what's your take on this idea of getting in another midfielder that can do both things? Yeah, no, I think Scott's absolutely um, hit the nail on the head there. It certainly does make the... the the play flow a lot easier. Okay, well, we're going to move on now to discuss the goals. And uh, Borna Barisic, what a strike for that first goal, Scott. I mean, that is the kind of decisive bit of play that will kill a team that's sitting deep, that's trying to block you out, that's trying to defend. A really, really good free kick. But was the keeper slightly to blame? I don't think so, Johnny. No, I mean, I just I think you need to give all the credit to Barisic. Um, I mean, when Rangers go to free kick in that position, watching the game, you did look at it and think, God, this is perfect for Barisic. It's exactly where he would want a free kick in terms of his technique and his range and you know what what he's good at, what he's shown uh, so far with set pieces for for Rangers, and he executed it brilliantly. I just I think when you when you get it over the wall. Um, on that side, no, with the curl that he got on it, no, the keeper's relying on his wall for that that side. I don't think he's got, I don't think he's got many other options. Um, and it was past him before he could before he could get across. And you're right at that time in the game, no, St Johnson was sitting with, I mean, it was effectively a back five, then two sitting in front. I mean, that that seven, no, a kind of wall of seven players was proving really difficult to to breach so you need something like that to, to go for you I'm not go for you because I mean there, there's no luck involved Rangers worked it well getting the ball into Morelos's feet in the edge of the box uh, he had a great turn and it was a clear foul but you know, when you get those opportunities you need to take advantage and Barisic has started the season really well you know, he looked bang at it last night um, you know, with the assist as well but you no, know, the free kick was, was top quality yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, this is this is one of his um, his forties, isn't it? But you've got Yanis Hadji in there that can take the free kicks. So James Tavernier's uh, no shrinking violet when it comes to pinging one in as well. So there's a lot of quality there from set plays. Yeah, it's funny actually because when we were talking earlier earlier on this morning, I was I was chatting to Scott and we were talking about the kind of situation over, over penalties and. Um, you know who would take them because obviously there was you know that that poor record you know just be, just when uh, Hadji missed over in Braga and Stephen Gerrard was obviously trying so many different players um, to try and find a solution because I think they tried well, maybe up to about seven different takers last season and they couldn't find one um, to be the regular taker. So when we were talking about that earlier, we were saying that actually given his ability from set pieces that maybe Borna Barisic could be one of the guys that could step up to the plate for that this season because we still don't know we still don't know who's going to be the, the regular penalty taker so maybe that's another um, maybe that's another added responsibility he, he could take on well certainly it was Borna Barisic again who was the key player in the second goal but 
in truth, it's it's a bit churlish to pick out one person because it was a terrific team goal, great move, Joe Rebo with a pass, Barisic who was showing all the time in that left hand side, a terrific low cross and a sweeping finish from Ryan Kent. It was quite similar in a way, maybe not quite as good, but quite similar to the goal against Celtic at Parkhead. Scott, yet another example that Ryan Kent is a man who's taken on board the criticisms that were aimed his way, not least by us last season for not creating enough, not scoring enough. He looks like at the start of this season, he's taken that seriously and he is going to try and chalk up those numbers. Yeah, I think he has to, Johnny. I mean, he's got no option. and No, never mind pressure from us. It'll be pressure from, from Steven Gerrard. Kent has to deliver. Rangers have invested heavily in him. You know, at times last season, I felt Gerrard was very protective of him. No, whenever we put it to him that, that Kent's numbers weren't as good as they should be, no, he tried to support his player and, and defend him and uh, stick up for him, which, which is fair enough. But you know, deep down, both those guys will know that, that Kent's, uh, no, Kent's return wasn't good enough last year. He showed it in flashes you know, in big games, away to Braga, away to Celtic. Um, but he has to do it on a more regular basis. And it does look as if he's he's taking that on board. Um, and you, I know you touched on Aribo earlier, but... We just thinking about that goal last night. Um, no, Aribo doesn't get the assist. Obviously, it goes to Hadji then Kent, who who uh, goes to Hadji then Barisic. Sorry, who sets up sets up Kent. But the first pass was Aribo, where it was breaking those lines. No, St Johnson obviously with tight midfield. It was Aribo's pass that that broke that line and, and get Rangers free. And no, you can't forget that Aribo might not get a lot of credit for it, but it was similar against St Mirren. I think when it was still 1-0, you know, Rangers are trying to get that second goal. And if you remember, it was Aribo's ball again, split the St Mirren defence, go it out wide to Barisic again, who, who squares for squares for a, a Morelos goal. So Kent started really well, but Aribo, um, Aribo looks as if he's going to have a right good season if he can continue this for him. In terms of um, uh, mentality, I mean, that's it's a big thing for guys that are... I mean, even Kent... You know, I know Scott's talking about £7 million and there was, there was so much pressure on him. I know he'd, he'd obviously already had a loan spell as well, but in particular Aribo. That's why when, you know, a lot of, I heard a few people saying, you know, during lockdown, oh, well, I mean, once the season starts up again, Celtic will win the league because nothing's really changed. Rangers have got the same players. You know, Celtic have got the same players. Celtic were miles in front. Unless Rangers significantly strengthen their squad, then... You know, it will just be the same old. You know, it'll just be the same story again. But I mean, you can't underestimate how much guys like Aribo and and Kent, just from having played another year and knowing the demands, you know, can you know improve in that department. You know, Kent will know more that he has to deliver. Joe Aribo will know a bit more about what's required. You know, going away tough away games and breaking down defences and all that. So that's 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 how Rangers can improve on last season. In terms of mentality, I think that's why Gerard had a wee pop at him last night, just because you know, he wants to keep on top of him. He doesn't want you no know, he knows the mentality's improved and he knows they're playing well, but he doesn't want any complacency. I mean at three 0 it was you no know, you could see you no know, you, you know, your Aribos and, and people, whatever, you no know, taking that a bit easy, knocking the ball mm. about, you no know, settling for a for a three 0 win. No, they could have went and get more goals. No, goal scored could be crucial this season in terms of the title race. No, if it's tight. Um, no, the new guys have come on. They want to get involved. You want to try and get them. You no know, shots off and get goals. So, 
that's why I think Gerrard, he doesn't want the mentality to, to slip no, a notch even this early on the season. And I think it will be... I think that would have been deliberate last last night just to keep them top of their case. Um, it's about trying to build up that kind of relentless attitude. Obviously, Celtic have had for for years now. Rangers still need to get that, um, and that's what he's that's what he's striving for. But that's obviously the third goal in three games from set pieces. So that's another element that Rangers will be happy with because something that they've added to their bow uh, in terms of their attack in Arsenal this season, and I think that's going to be key going forward. I'm going to move on now to uh, just get your opinion on a tackle by Liam Gordon on Kmar Roof, Scott. This was, for me, an absolutely brutal and obvious red card. Uh, Liam Gordon flies in with his studs up. Uh, he's off the ground. And Kmar Roof was not far away from being put out, I think, for a very long time if that tackle goes wrong. Um... I'm maybe not strong on it as you, Johnny. I mean, I have to admit, I mean, it was a, it was a certain yellow card. Could have been a red. I mean, when it happened, I did think, when I seen the ref kind of going to his, going to his pocket, I, no, I did wonder, is he, going to, is he going to go for a red? I think it was a kind of classic, kind of orange, if you like, somewhere between a yellow and a red. I'm not, I'm not convinced like you that it was that brutal, that it was a no, a hundred percent red card. It was certainly a yellow, and could have, you know, depending on the referee, uh, depending on the circumstances, it may, maybe actually one of those ones where if there was a crowd in at Ibrooks last night, you no, know, and that that roar or that howl would have went up as the tackle went in. You no, know, the ref might have thought about a red. Um, but listen, it was a poor, it was a poor challenge. It was a late challenge. Um, because it was on roof, who's obviously coming back for injury, and it was his first game, um, it would have been a worry for the for the Rangers bench. But to be fair to him, he got up, he got up pretty much straight away and, and got on with it. So, um, but no, listen, Gordon, Liam Gordon was probably a wee bit lucky because it could have been a red, but no, I, I, I think a yellow probably sufficed. Gav, in terms of transfers, we've had some news that Greg Doherty is in conversation with Hull City right now. That looks to be a deal that, that could go ahead. Yeah. We're also hearing that Ross McCrory is uh, likely to move out on a permanent deal now. Gerard said last night he was quite adamant. You know, look, he's he's had his loans. Yeah, it's time for a it's time for a move. Essentially, what's your take on these yeah. two? Deals. I think he actually said the same about Doherty as well. I think he said the two of them didn't. They're time for loans. Yeah. And it was over. I think. I think. I can't. Uh, I think you've got to agree with that. Um, I don't think you can just keep going on in loans. I mean, Ross McCrory. I suppose it's a bit, a bit disappointing in a sense because, you know, I think when Stephen Gerrard first came in, you know, he, 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 I think he spoke about him and one after his very first game in charge actually about how. You know, the previous regime had almost ruined him by playing him at central defence. It seemed as if he had kind of real high hopes for him and he thought he was one that would flourish. And then, if, if you remember as well, I mean, Rangers had a great record in games that he had played in uh, in that first season. And, and that when he went out on loan, maybe there, you know, there was a few raised eyebrows, but... The quote, the, the bar has obviously been raised, you know, in the kind of in the last couple of years, and I just think, unfortunately, for Ross McCrory and uh, Greg Doherty, I just don't think that it looks as if they're going to have they don't have that quality that's that's going to be needed to to get a place at Rangers, you know, going forward. And 
It's just about, I suppose, how the standards have been raised. Uh, Scott, Scott, both, both good players, Scott, but perhaps yeah. neither has that key element that Gerard's looking for, which he seems to really fixate on, which is an ability and a care to use the ball. I'd say neither of those two, you would say, are terrific technical ball players, and he seems to like that in his midfielders. No, I think there's an element of truth to that. I mean, I think Greg Doherty is better on the ball than, than Ross McCrory. Um, I think Doherty... I feel sorry a bit for Doherty, I must admit, Johnny. Um, and I'd love to actually ask Stephen Gerrard, I might get the opportunity to ask him, you know, just exactly what it is that, that Greg Doherty didn't have you know, to get him into a, a Stephen Gerrard Rangers team. Because, I mean, you speak to boys that play with him, I mean, physically, he's a he's a machine. Um, he looks as if he's got all the attributes to get up, you no, know, get up and down the pitch, get around the midfield. You no, know, that knows him. He's a kind of diligent boy. You no, know, he wants to learn. Uh, he's kind of dedicated to his profession. So I just wonder what that missing ingredient is for him um, with Steven Gerrard. Um, and and I think go if he does go to Hull um, in League One in England. Uh, I would expect Rangers to to ensure that there's a, a sell-on clause because he's a type. I think he's a type of player in that environment. No League One Championship, he could get a big move um, from Hull if he if he turns it on down there. Um, I think he's more than capable of going and playing in the in English Championship. So it'll be interesting to see what transpires there. Um, Ross McCrory, like what Gav says, I think the bar has been raised to such an extent under Gerard that. I've always felt McCrory was just going to fall a bit short in terms of what's what was going to be required to to play regularly for Rangers. I don't think the changing of positions, no, no, quite knowing whether he's a centre back, a central midfielder, or even a right back, uh, where he's played for Portsmouth. I don't think that's helped him. Uh, and I think moving on uh, to somewhere like Hibs or or wherever it might be will be the best best move for Ross McCrory at this stage in his career no he just what he just has to get playing again and really kick start his kick start his career again absolutely Gav listen before we get this wrapped up can you just give me a quick prediction for Livingston at the weekend what do you think is going to be the score and how do you see that game going uh, hard fought as always um, at Livingston I'll go for 2-0 Rangers Gav stole my thunder there. I was going to say two 0 myself. Um, I'll say I'll go three one then. I think Rangers will probably win with a, with a couple of goals. Um, I think it'll be a different test for them, Johnny. Difficult. No, back on that pitch, Livingston kind of getting in about them. No, a different test to what they've had. But Rangers, given the form, I expect them to win by a couple of goals. Scott, are Livingston the force that they were last season? Just seems to be looking at their results. I've not actually seen them play that perhaps they're not going to have the season they did last term, or maybe it's too early? Well, they've lost a, they've lost a lot of players, Johnny, that, that kind of had the kind of Livingston ethos ingrained in them. No, they built up this re- reputation, really good reputation, has been you know, this hard-working side, really difficult to play against, but sprinkled with a, with a wee bit of quality. But they've lost players, no, central defenders who are crucial to them, no, losing Stevie Lawless in the summer there. Is another blow, so it's difficult. New guys coming in, trying to, you know, trying to embed that ethos into, you know, boys coming from England or whatever. Um, so I think they're, they're finding that a wee bit tough. 
at the start. But listen, I still think as the season goes on, going there will be difficult for, for any team. And obviously, as long as Dykes is still there, they've got a real threat up front. So it won't, it won't be easy for Rangers. OK, guys, that's all from us this week. We will be back next week with all your latest Rangers news and analysis. If you want to get in touch with us, you can. We are all on Twitter. I'm at Johnny R. McFarlane. Scott is at Scott McDermott 8. And Gav, who I'm going to give a little bit more time by just spraffing on a little bit because he always forgets his Twitter handle. But here he is with his Twitter handle. At Gavin Berry DR. There you go, at Gavin Berry DR. I will try to remember that for the next time so we don't have this awkward moment in the podcast. Until next time, thanks for listening. Let your body